There was no way. Welcome to the Tim Graham Show. The Tim Graham Show. This is Sports Radio 1270. Just not hitting the hole. The fan. I know I'm going to get pimped. They're going to pimp me. I love sausage. Shocking. Dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber, it's all about the hole. Tim Graham Show. I did old, uh, some poll. Uh, over the weekend. Right. Not me so honia. I did have an accident with a menorah Here we go. On Twitter at 1270, a fan. Wet mall. Taking your calls at 270 1270. What's up, baby? How you doing? Here we go. The Tim Graham Show. When's the last time you read the New Testament? Huh? I'm trying to put my junk back in place. You're one of the guys I'm following on Twitter, you know. Well, I like this guy, uh, Tim Graham. Welcome into the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Shampoo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner, CPAs and business consultants. It is the March 11th, 2020, Year of Our Lord edition of the show, here with Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, Jonah Bronstein of uh, Bronstein and Associates, Bobby Rosati producing the show. I noticed uh, somebody wiped down the studio today, and I just want to thank our producer, Bobby Rosati, for that. He thinks of those things. He has his Clorox wipes. He has, uh, what do you spray? You spray something too, don't you? Yeah, I got some Lysol also. Lysol. Yeah, knockoff. But. Which, nobody's been in the studio since we left last week. That's that's true. <laughs> so it might be dormant. There, you never, you never know. know. Dormant, yeah. You don't know what's been just kind of incubating in here. Sully used to occupy this studio yeah. every day. Didn't he go to Italy? Within yeah, the he year? could have been one of the, the uh, originators of it, Ground Zero. He uh, he ate the first bat. I am thankful for the disinfected uh, studio, but I think it might stop with this mic guard. What do you call these things? The spongy things that go yeah, on the end. Uh, Is there uh, a pop filter? A pop filter on the end. I I'm the only one in here who has one. But take a look at the cack on this thing. Like, this is an accumulation of whoever sat at the scene. It's me. It's Jerry. Right. Probably there's some Rich Gensler on here. I don't think so. He hasn't been on here in years. I say there's probably some Rich Gensler on here. Right, that's a good point, and it's probably still on there. So, is there even more percolating if we don't have one of those? I don't know. I because that's all metal and stuff. I bet you that's easily wiped off. You can't. How do you? It's how pretty do you, dusty though. How do you wipe off sponge? Yeah, you don't want to look at those. There is some. There's some cack on here. So I'm thinking maybe all the different bacteria <laughs> and stuff. Everything. Maybe there's like little. You know. Wrestling like Royal Rumble of bacteria going on on here, and they're all just canceling each other out, maybe. Or you you expose yourself to it so much that your body's just part of it now. Yes. So thank you, Bobby, for trying to keep us healthy here. There's also a coffee mug that's probably been there for two and a half years. I will say this: I should have yeah. saved it for you guys. There was a uh, there was a styrofoam cup in here. Uh, but it was clean. There was nothing in it. Like you could tell that it hadn't had coffee in it, but it had something in it because there were some some spores in the bottom of it. Oh. It's it's right there on the top of the trash. Go ahead and just dig it out, Jonah, if you want to take a look at it. In the commercial, I will. <laughs> I I was saying as a joke. I don't want you sticking your hand in the garbage to pick out a. a it's good uh, radio. Right, <laughs> a moldy coffee cup. So we joke about it, uh, but uh, very serious business, uh, the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, we're going to talk about that today on the show because it has been crossing over into the sports world. It is everywhere. And uh, I think that sports does provide an opportunity 
for, you know, we, we like to be oblivious to certain things in the world, and then they cross over into sports. Uh, it's the mantra on Twitter, uh, whenever one of us journalists tries to comment on something that has nothing to do with, um, nothing to do with, uh, I, not your fault, Bobby. Not your fault. I'm, I'm I'm operating on very little sleep. I pulled oh. an all-nighter last night to file a story. Oh, boy. And uh, Bobby just held up a sign for me that normally I would be able to take in stride, but it just totally threw me off. <laughs> but it reminds me, too. I had four thoughts going through my head. It reminds me I need to set up the show. I need to say who's going to be on the show. Jim Sadlin, Syracuse basketball analyst, former St. Bonaventure head coach. He's going to be on shortly uh, to talk about uh, the... Uh, ACC tournament where Syracuse is playing North Carolina tonight at nine o'clock. Um, we're going to hear from him at four fifteen, and uh, we're also going to have Ryan Nobles, CNN reporter, Western New Yorker, born in North Tonawanda, grew up in the Jamestown area. He has been covering the Bernie Sanders campaign for CNN. This isn't just uh, some entry level guy. This is legit stuff. So we're going to talk about what's going on uh, with. The presidential campaign, from his perspective, how the coronavirus is impacting uh, the world, uh, because he is on the, I hate to use this phrase, but what's another phrase I could use for it? The front lines of covering this, because the Bernie Sanders campaign has been on top of this, of course. It's been a campaign issue. Um, It has been, uh, uh, the information has been digested and processed by the presidential candidates, maybe more than most. because it is uh, so important and on the minds of the public. So we're going to talk to Ryan Nobles from CNN about that and his beloved Buffalo Bills. And, um, well, we'll see. Uh, you know, wouldn't it be something? You know, the Bills finally putting something together. And uh, as all these cancellations in sports start stacking up, uh, I don't know. No confirmed cases in western New York yet. Maybe that could be a selling point in free agency next week <laughs> to uh, some... Uh, some skittish uh, NFL players who might say, hey, man, I like this warm weather, and be like, uh, you know what, though? What if the Bills sign a player who brings the coronavirus yeah, to Western say, New York? I say, maybe there's going to be some fans who say, hold off on free agency. <laughs> no, no. We I think <laughs> not fans, maybe the general public, but fans are going to be like, I don't care. Right. It'll be like the people who don't want the new stadium no matter what. You know, none of my tax dollars. <laughs> as long as he's a Bill, he's fine and healthy and probably neg- test negative. He can't be. He can't test positive. All right, we're making fun of it, but well, that's what we do. We're irreverent. That's kind of what makes the show what it is. But coronavirus pandemic is. Uh, uh, there's an opportunity to talk about it because it is impacting sports in a big way. And I'd like to point uh, just to a couple of days ago, John Vogel of the Athletic writes a story on Ralph Kruger's thoughts on. Uh, the coronavirus, the stock market crash, everything that's going on globally, because Ralph Kruger, imagine this, I mean, we know this to be, but it's still strange that Ralph Kruger is a member of the World Economic Forum. He's one of the smart guys uh, on this planet, and he gave his analysis on how things are um, changing on all around the world, everything from customs uh, of how we greet each other, Uh, to how we're going to isolate each other and uh, how it's impacting several major industries such as airlines and oil. And we've we've seen uh, it's going to it's going to uh, the tentacles are going to reach every facet of society. 
and to read a story with Ralph Kruger's thoughts, the Buffalo Sabres head coach's thoughts on what's going on around the world. I think a lot of people who like to keep a narrow mind because they're into sports so that way they can avoid all the unpleasantries of what's going on 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 the planet to read the Buffalo Sabres head coach's thoughts on it. I think probably for a lot of people was their first time that they gave any deep thought to what's going on because there are people and we know them. I think we can, we probably are among them to a certain degree who are so consumed with sports. It's our job. It's what we do that we almost have to go out of our way sometimes to really see what's going on or to, to what's uh, what's happening. And um, so anyway, it was enlightening to me. I like to think that I'm kind of up on things. I'm a huge news consumer. I watch the news, local news at 4, 5, 6, 10, and 11. If it's because I work from home, it's always on. I have, I have news on more than I have sports on. But still, reading Ralph Kruger's thoughts on it, I found enlightening and looking at it through the, the, the prism of sports. So um, just a handful of things. And guys, feel free to jump in if I'm missing any. But these are some of the cancellations, just some. Uh, just within the past half hour, the World Figure Skating Championships next week in Montreal have been canceled. That's a big one. The World Figure Skating Championships. That's the premier event in figure skating uh, throughout the year. Uh, are you that you're down on the figure skaters? Yeah, I, no, I'm I'm down that it's canceled. I see. Canceled or postponed? Postponed. I, I would be- hope. I believe it was canceled. Oh wow. Uh, even worse. Ivy League has canceled all spring sports a day after canceling its basketball tournament. Uh, the uh, college basketball invitational is canceled. Uh, the as we know, it's it's impacted. Uh, uh, it's going to impact the University of Buffalo uh, women's basketball team in Cleveland. The Mid American Conference uh, will play its basketball tournament with no general public. They're going to allow some family and school officials and things like that to attend, but other than that. Uh, 120 people per participating team. Is, okay, that I didn't know that. So that's all you get. So that's essentially no fans. Yes, there technically are going to be a, a smattering of them, but for all intents and purposes, that's no fans in a 18,000-seat arena. Uh, Washington State has canceled uh, major uh, collections of people uh, through the month of March, which means the Seattle Mar- Mariners are going to have to move their home games uh, for the start of the season. Uh, Golden State Warriors will play its next home game uh, in front of no fans. Uh, so that's just a handful of them. DC is, I don't know the exact number, how they're defining large gatherings, but it, the Wizards are just plowing forward anyways. Well, that brings up another point, and I'm, I'm glad you bring that up, uh, Matt, is that I think, too, you're seeing the arrogance in sports through a lot of this. And I don't necessarily think through the the fans, uh, but for instance, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine uh, put out a recommendation of no large-scale gatherings. The Columbus Blue Jackets responded by saying, fans still welcome to attend our games. So the Columbus Blue Jackets then have to put out a statement saying, yeah, yeah, we're aware of what the governor wants, but we're going to have our game anyway. And just the... <laughs> I mean, the idea of uh, that the rules don't pertain. And I think that that was going to be the case until uh, discretion uh, jumped in. But I think the San Jose Sharks were going to go ahead and play their games after uh, that area was saying don't do anything. Uh, California uh, Governor uh, Gavin Newsom uh, had a great 
point yesterday regarding the uh, taking a look at how the different leagues are handling media interaction with their players. And there's been a curbing of interaction. Uh, the Sabres did it uh, after their recent game the other night against the Washington Capitals. Rather than allowing reporters into the locker room, they brought play- players out to a dais and had them speak, uh, hand- just a couple of players, rather than having everybody go into their locker room. So, But Gavin Newsom's point is the leagues are making it clear that their players are more important than their fans. They're going to protect their players from 5, 7, 12 reporters interacting with them for 45 minutes on a day-to-day basis. But they're thrilled that 15 to 20,000 people are going to sit shoulder to shoulder in their stands and give them money. Uh, that They're okay with that. Right. And I thought it was a great point by Gavin that's Newsom. What, that's what my wife asked me yesterday when she got home from work. She's asking, why are they banning these media from the locker room, but they're letting all these fans into the arena. That was the first thing I said is, well, the fans aren't that close to the players. If the fans get sick, that's not really what teams care about. They're making money off those people, and the players are assets to these owners. And if they get sick, then the whole – and I'm not saying this is right, but this is the logic, and it's not hard to follow the logic of these people who are um, out for the money, number one, before – anything else if a player gets sick on one of these teams gets the coronavirus think about like the ncaa tournament or or the nhl if a sabers player gets the coronavirus then the entire team has to be quarantined and so too does probably everybody that he played against within the last two weeks right because of the incubation period so yeah, then it then you're talking about canceling games and and all this. That's the strange part about it is if you're gonna let nineteen thousand fans into an arena, you're especially probably more so in basketball than hockey. But I would say even hockey, you're still running the risk that those guys get sick because enough of them are gonna be relatively close when they're coming off the ice, going onto the ice. Probably more so in basketball, guys are are really close. It's just. Players end up in the stands a handful of times every game, going after loose balls. There are fans that sit with their feet pretty much right on the court because they sell those tickets. I mean, and these germs just become airborne. You don't have to like make out with a hockey player to catch a virus from them. They do say you as much be as I've within, tried. <laughs> you've got to be within a certain distance, but still, you know, coming into contact with all the, you know, you're just asking for it. It feels like if you know all the experts that are much smarter than anybody sitting in this room are correct, then you're really asking for it. If you're, if you're in D.C., which is becoming kind of a, a trouble spot, and you're saying, eh, whatever, come to the games yeah. if you want. You Jonah, know, you were at the, at the UB game the other night against Miami. It was a doubleheader, the men's, women's uh, basketball teams playing in the first round of the Mid-American uh, Conference uh, tournament. And because those are played, those initial games are played um, at sites as opposed to off into Cleveland, there there were fans there. What was the yeah, mood there? No, was it there was any... a normal crowd, and I don't think, other than some people making jokes, I don't think really there was really anybody there that was worried about contracting a virus at that game. I was also at high school basketball games over the weekend at Buffalo State that had probably an even bigger crowd, 3,000 people jammed, standing room only inside that gym, and nobody seemed too concerned about it. And even I was at high school games last night where people were talking about 
Because there's local games that have been either postponed or there won't be fans allowed at state championship hockey games at Harbor Center this weekend. And uh, I guess state championship at the junior hockey midget level is having some games at various sites around Western New York, and the they're not even champion, letting the parents or anybody yeah. at, at those games or media. And a lot of people, you heard from a lot of people saying, eh, is that necessary? They're going too far. I heard that a lot more than, you know, what Matt said and what I agree with that, you know, the, it is sensible to take these precautions. I think it's interesting because there hasn't really been a local case yet. So some of the reasons behind why you would want to restrict these gatherings here, and it's because of people coming in from out of town, and especially, this isn't necessarily the case with high schools. Well, high schools are coming from downstate where there have been confirmed cases. But the NCAA tournament could, in theory, be bringing eight groups of fans from eight different places in the country all into a closed arena and then sending them all back to eight different places in the country, if not more than that, but eight different cities multiplied by how many different cities these teams represent. That's just going to make the spread of the virus explode. You can't bring people from different locales together and send them back and think this thing's at, at all under control. Joining us now on the NCCC Thunderwolves hotline is somebody who is in an arena where everybody's going to be gathering. I'm sure the thought has crossed his mind. Maybe there have even been meetings with your production crew or with the ACC tournament committee, but uh, we're joined now by Jim Sadlin, Syracuse basketball analyst and former St. Bonaventure coach. And uh, I guess, Jim, before we get into ACC action or, or taking a look at this tournament or March Madness, I, what's the mood as people are gathering uh, down there in Greensboro, North Carolina, with, uh, with this starting to weigh heavier and heavier on, on the sports world? You know, I think uh, – how you doing, guys? Good to talk to you again. But doing I good, think Jim. No, yeah, welcome to the nice doom and gloom uh, edition of the Tim Graham Show. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. But, you know, I, I think it varies. Um, some people are really concerned. Uh, other people don't seem to be quite as concerned. I'm concerned because my daughter is a, is the head of the physician's assistance program um, at GW Hospital in D.C., and she is working with the CDC people a lot. And, guys, this is no hoax. There's no thing to be, a, you know, to be, you know, poo-pooing and saying, oh, it's nothing. It's like... You know, when the weatherman comes in and says we're going to have this big storm and then we don't and then, you know, so on and so forth. This, this is real. And, uh, you know, we're seeing that every day with more cases being brought. So and I, I saw where the um, Dayton is not going to have uh, any fans for their opening games now and for the tournament there and, and in Cleveland. And, and I think it's sensible, honestly. I mean, it's going to change everything the way we know it and the tournament, the way we've always watched it and stuff. But you know what? Um, the world we live in today is different than anything that we've ever had before. And I think this is just something, another, you know, area and example of, of this is, um, is, is a scary time. And I think we've, we've got to, you know, err on the side of caution here. I mean, no matter what, I mean, we've had people die because of it. And it's not just older people. It's, you know, a lot of other people are now getting this and, and catching it. So, I would agree with them. You know, I'm all for whatever the medical people say about it. And, uh, you know, they're the experts in this one. And, and whatever they recommend, I'm, I'm fine with. And, uh, you know, down here, they haven't said anything at all in Greensboro about the, uh, you know, anything going on at the arena or anything else. I know they played two games this afternoon and they played two last night. And, uh, you know, fans were there and interacting and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, I don't know how much longer that's going to go on, but it's certainly going on now.
you know, I forgot we did a, a rundown and it was a, just a thumbnail rundown of all the different cancellations, everything from the World Figure Skating Championships next week in Montreal to uh, what the uh, uh, Seattle Mariners having to come up with contingency plans for their home games uh, here shortly. Uh, but you you raised a team that I forgot about, and I think it really maybe is one of the more important or eye opening ones. If you are a sports fan and you want to weigh, um, uh, exactly how how seriously this is being taken. An anecdotal uh, an anecdotal example for that would be Dayton, because this is not a perennial powerhouse program. This is a a school in an area that has been waiting since I guess Ron Harper thirty years ago to be at this stage and a, a basketball man, and they're canceling it. Now, you know better. Ron Harper went to Miami of Ohio. Oh, shoot. You know you're right. You're right. <laughs> Miami Flyer. That was it. Yeah, you're right. Who was but Dayton? No, you're absolutely right. Who, who, all you're right. I'll come. Right. I'll, I mean, I'll remember who the hell I was trying to think. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Jim. That's a, that's a check mark that we're going to have oh, to, that's bad. Have to tell, tell some people here about. Yeah. But no, honestly, uh, you're right. I mean, Dayton is one of the great venues in all of college basketball. And obviously, they're having a fabulous year this year, and they're a legitimate threat to win this whole thing i think but uh but you know when you look at it and in you know they've always one other program i mean one other city or or event could host a, a first you know tuesday and wednesday games with no dayton teams in it and everything else and and pretty much sell out you know i'm fourteen thousand, thirteen thousand. 13,000 so you know th- that this is going to be immediately a test you know, you're going to see this thing come about where, you know, fans aren't going to be there. And that's that's sad. It's too bad for, uh, you know, I feel bad for the kids, you know, the players that are going in there for, you know, the first time to play in an experience like that. And it's going to be like a scrimmage game, you know, that you have in preseason. So, but, you know, that's that's where we're, where we're at and where we're going to be going, it looks like. I'm looking at notable Dayton alumni here. I, I can't uh... – Come on. How about oh Costas Antetokounmpo? Uh, he uh, he's a Dayton. Uh, I don't think that uh, he'll be. He's the third most famous Antetokounmpo, <laughs> right? Jonah Bronstein here thinks I might have been thinking of Jim Paxson, but I I don't know. I don't know what Johnny yeah, Davis Johnny, maybe. I don't know. Donnie Donnie May was a great player way back in the '68. He brought his team to the Final Four against uh, Al Cinder and that UCLA team. Played for the Braves. He's probably the most famous. Most famous Dayton player, honestly. Played the pros for a long time. Well, Jim, uh, right, rather than... We'll, we'll, we'll forgive you on that one. We'll forgive you. Don't worry. Thank you yeah. so I'm much. Gonna Nobody's going to know about it. Nobody's going to know about it. Nobody, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody. And nobody, <laughs> I'm sure, listening today, nobody, they're all going to forget about it. Don't worry. People are tuning in to hear what's going on. Uh, we have uh, CNN's Ryan Nobles. He comes from Jamestown. Uh, he has been covering the Bernie Sanders campaign for CNN. So this is no, uh, this guy's no joke. And uh, we're going to be talking more about the global issues with him coming up later in the show. So I think people are going to listen to the podcast, and they're going to check out what Jim Sadlin has to say, and then they're going to hear me trip over myself. But anyways, Jim, yeah. let's let's talk about the ACC tournament and uh, Syracuse. Uh, you know, it's funny. You take a look at the schedule, and you see North Carolina and Syracuse in the first round, uh, 9 p.m., and, I'm, and uh, that's usually not a game you'd see on ESPN2, but... Uh, or in the first round like this, uh, it's it just. Uh, it, what's your What are your thoughts here on the on the orange heading into this tournament? Well, first of all, it's very disappointing that that they're in this game. I mean, they had the chance to lock it up 
Saturday at Miami. Uh, Hughes gets hurt, doesn't play the second half in overtime, and Syracuse loses in overtime in a tough game. They win that, and they're playing Pitt this afternoon as the five seed. And, you know, this, that game's almost over now. It looked like North Carolina State's ahead there. And instead, uh, they play the best 14 seed you've ever seen in your life. And when's the last time you ever saw a 14 seed play a six team, a, a six seeded team? And the 14 is a legitimate favorite in this game. And, uh, so, you know, that's the worst thing that could happen. Plus the 930 game is horrible. You know, you're sitting around all day long. Players are, you know, not doing anything that you play and you don't know when you're going to take, you know, absolutely tip off. So, um, the, that was probably the worst scenario they could get. Uh, plus the fact, I think Syracuse is like one and nine against North Carolina since they've been in, in, in the ACC. It's just a team that they don't match up with well at all. And uh, it's shown. It showed 10 days ago when they played North Carolina in Syracuse. It got beat 92 to 80, I think, or something like that. And uh, they just have a very difficult time trying to stop Carolina. And Carolina seems to have their number in terms of breaking the zone. They do a great job, you know, in what they're trying to get done. And they get the ball inside and they crash the offensive glass. And uh, Syracuse is going to have to shoot the ball exceptionally well tonight. And they're going to have to do some different things than what they did 10 days ago. They're going to have to change some things. And, you know, I don't know if they are or not, but, uh, you know, that would be my recommendation that they just can't go in there and do what they did 10 days ago because the result will be exactly the same if that's the case. So it's, uh, but it'll be, but you're right though, you know, two powerhouses names, you know, traditional programs like Carolina and, and Syracuse playing in the, you know, in this kind of a game. Um, and the first night is the second night actually now, but the playing was yesterday, but, uh, you know, that, that usually doesn't happen with these kind of programs, but it is, you know, what happens. And every once in a while, and, uh, you know, Carolina's getting healthy now. They weren't healthy for a long time. They got a fabulous guard, Nicole Anthony, uh, their big kid, um, Garrison Brooks, won the most improved player award. He, he crushed Syracuse 10 days ago. He had like 27 points and 17 rebounds or something. So, you know, I don't know how they switch off on that thing right now. So it'll be an interesting night, to say the least. So he's going to have to outscore this team because I don't think they can walk in there and say, we're going to hold this team to seven points. I don't think that's going to happen. So so he's going to have to have their three-point shooting game going, which has been invisible or absent since January. So, you know, I don't know how that particularly is going to happen. But Hughes is healthy, and that's a good positive thing for Syracuse. And, uh, uh, he'll be back playing in there tonight, and, and hopefully they'll they'll play to their potential and, and make it a real good game. We're in conversation with Jim Saddle and on the NCCC Thunderwolves hotline talking about the ACC basketball tournament and tonight's game uh, between Syracuse and North Carolina, which will air right here on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan, probably closer to 9.30, like you say. It's at 9 p.m. with an asterisk. You have to get rid of that Notre Dame-Boston uh, College game, but the winner of tonight, let's say, okay, Syracuse, as the number six seed in the tournament, uh, like you say, probably <laughs> they're not favored, uh, but uh, the winner is rewarded by uh, getting Louisville um, tomorrow night. And uh, I don't know, I, in broad strokes, taking a look at um, at who you like, Jim, and whether it's ACC or not, what are, what are some teams you've been watching that you think are really hitting their, hitting their stride heading into the, the big tournament? Well, honestly, um, North Carolina has been as impressive as any team that we've seen in the last, you know, two months of the season. Once they've started to get healthy and they're starting to make shots, and uh, which they had not done at all, they've shot the ball very poorly. We're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the ACC, and all of a sudden now, 
you know, they made 11 or 10 or against Syracuse a couple of weeks ago when they made, they were seven for 13 last night against Virginia tech. Um, so they're one of the more impressive teams. Now, can they win this tournament, which is the only way they're going to get into the, into the big dance. I don't know. They'd have to win five games in five days against, you know, some tough competition here, but, uh, but, you know, I think Duke's playing well within the league. Right now they seem to be caught their stride again. Florida State is the deepest team in the ACC. Um, you know, it's funny, they, they were the best team. They won the league, and they didn't get one player on the first team. Um, all ACC, they got one player on the second team, and they got an all-rookie player. But uh, their depth is incredible. And uh, they, they'd be the type of team that I think could go a long way just because they guard you and they have so many players that foul trouble means nothing to them because uh, – They've just got so much going that way. So, you know, I mean, Kansas looks like they're playing at a higher level than anybody else right now. I watched Gonzaga. They played well last night. They were lucky the night before, but I thought they played well last night against St. Mary's. And, uh, you know, they're going to be a factor probably as well. They're going to chance to stay out in the West Coast now as a number one seed out in L.A. in the regionals there if they get there. So, um, yeah, I mean, but it's wide open, honestly, guys. I mean, I look at it. It seems more wide open than any other year. And, of course, with all this other crazy thing that's going on now, who knows what's going to happen in the next two or three weeks and how that's going to affect, you know, seeds and, and where people are going to be at and, and going to games and all that kind of thing. So it, it's a crazy time, but it's um, it's wide open. Honest to God, I think there's there's probably 10 or 15 teams that can really win this thing. I really believe that. Maybe even more, honestly. I mean, I, somebody gets hot and they get through and they get the right bracket and they have the right matchup. And the team against them gets upset. You know, you think they probably can't beat. Um, so I, it'll be fun two weeks, or three weeks, if you know if things calm down a little bit. I think it would be a really, really fun time. But I'm not sure things are going to calm down. Well, things aren't calming down on our original topic, Jim. And I know you got a meeting you have to get to. Maybe this will even come up as you prepare. But the NCAA COVID-19 advisory panel just as we were joining you here on the air at 4.15, came out with a statement in which the NCAA is now recommending against sporting events being open to the public. And I'm quoting the release here, we do believe sport events can take place with only essential personnel and limited family attendance to protect uh, players, employees, and fans. So this is a very fluid situation that is going to get... uh, even more intense uh, as we go. So, uh, Jim, thanks for joining us. Uh, stay, uh, stay healthy. Appreciate it. Uh, use I the hand sanitizer. You, you, you are essential personnel, yes. so you're going to have to work tonight, no matter what. You don't get the night yeah, off. No question. Yes. Remember, Ron Harper went to Miami of Ohio. I, uh, that'll be etched in my brain forever. Forever. I should have known that. that I'm a Clevelander. <laughs> the guy. I have a Clevelander. I mean, I, how how could I? Oh my gosh! Yeah. Uh, hey, have a great day, guys. Thanks for everything. Thank you, Jim. That was Jim Saddle on the NCCC Thunderwolves hotline. Come be a part of a winning team at Niagara County Community College. Maybe I was thinking of Nigel Knight. Who is the day? I remember a poster in one of in one of the dorm rooms at, at BW, and it said Dayton Flyer, and it was dunking. I don't know. I'm gonna have to go back and look at it. I think there's a Ron Harper poster that says the Ohio Flyer. Oh. That's that's what it is. I'm getting. I had. My, that's kind of a famous poster. Yes, I think. and he's like coming right at you with a dunk, like uh, you know. There's it's a it's a studio shot. Right. All right. That's that. All right. Now I solved the you. mystery. Thank you. Bobby should play us out with the Ohio players now. Oh, that's roller coaster.
Don't do the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers version. All right, when we come back, we're going to have more, uh, well, we're going to talk sports. What do you think of that? Matthew Fairber is going to tell us uh, what's going on with the Bills and the latest uh, free agency rumblings, uh, different moves that they've made. Josh Norman, Spencer Long, signing their own guys. When we come back on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by CTBK, right here on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. have mnemonic devices that the will Tim Graham show prominent prominent listener sent uh, this gift to me I will have a big unveiling Jim Brown still a free agent them. this is sports radio 1270 the fan shampoo Travis Besaw and Kirshner is a leading accounting firm with a growing team of accountants business consultants and now outsource CFO contractors through its acquisition of CFO Solutions Plus. With roots in Amherst, CTBK pairs every project with a focus on a human connection between its team and the client. For assurance, accounting, taxes, litigation support, advice on acquisitions and mergers, and now access to CFO level resolutions, CTBK is available and ready to solve any issues your business faces. For a consultation or to request a quote, call 716-630-2400. Again, that's 716-630-2400. Shampoo, Travis, Esau, and Kirshner. Over a quarter century of proven accounting and business excellence for Western New York and beyond. The Tim Graham Show. You walk into the church and you're not a Catholic, and the Catholics say, well, when you get to the pew, you're supposed to genuflect to the altar. Let's give thanks for stuff and things. WHLD Buffalo. Well, I'm not a Catholic. It's like, well, you didn't genuflect. The Tim Graham Show. I don't even know what that means. I, even, I was going to say, I don't know what that means either. <laughs> He's genuflecting right now. The Tim Graham Show. Hallelujah. The fan. Praise be. Rubber band man. I'm gonna wait for a just the right beat to come in here. I think with a little bit more experience on this, I would have been a good DJ. Like I could have done a talk up, right? Absolutely, you do them already, and I know you realize, but yeah, you do very well. I want to hear a little more of this. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by CTBK. I think I nailed that one. I mean, that was an inverted talk-up. You're supposed right. to talk up until the guy starts singing. Right. I jumped in as he started singing. I, I like it. Innovative, too. Right. This is how radio gets done. This is how I get my name on the map, and I make it to a big place like ESPN someday. Oops. It's one of my all-time favorite... <laughs> One of my all-time favorite uh, clapbacks I get from people on Twitter is like, "Ah, oh, look at this guy I'll say something or tweet, you know, something that he thinks outrageous or I'm looking for clicks. 
Like, man, you're just trying to, what, do you think you're going to get to ESPN someday doing this? Or just trying to get your name out there? Yeah, that's me. Trying to get my name out there. Maybe someday I'll get there. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Shampo, Travis Bisson, and Kirshner CPAs and Business Consultants. It's been a busy week, a busy few days for the Buffalo Bills. Going back to the uh, revelation that they were signing cornerback Josh Norman, some salary information trickled out today. It certainly seems like a very team-friendly deal for the Bills on a cornerback who at one point uh, commanded big, big money on the free agent market when he left the Carolina Panthers. But Josh Norman, you know what it says to me, though, is when I, I see the uh, some of the salary information is that he must not have had many options. And that are we looking at a reclamation project here? Because, yes, you, you would love to think the narrative is, well, he agreed to that deal because he just wants to come play for Sean McDermott again, his defensive coordinator in Carolina. But I think if Josh Norman could have taken a more favorable deal, he probably would have, financially speaking. And uh, we're looking at really minimal layout uh, on on behalf of the Bills, a one-year contract. Doesn't offer the player a lot of security. Um, so, I don't know. Matt, you've been writing about it. Your thoughts uh, on on the Bills signing Josh Norman? Yeah, I think it's, when you look at the, the details of the contract, it's a nice low-risk move for them because if it is a reclamation project and you can get him back to, I don't know, 80% of what he was before he departed Carolina, then you're going to have a decent number two cornerback. I just think if you're – and I don't think the Bills ever really operate this way, which is why I think this is a good signing. If if you're out there thinking that Josh Norman is the answer and that he solves all the problems, or if you're the Bills and you think, all right, we're all set there because we have Josh Norman, I think you're doing it wrong. And I don't think since Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott got here that they've ever operated that way. Look at what they did on the offensive line last offseason everybody similar conversation different caliber player but similar conversation to Spencer Long a year ago they signed Spencer Long and everybody says well this better not be the only thing they do oh this, this here's this our center oh, he this lost is your answer he jo- he lost his job with the Jets he couldn't he kept fumbling snaps right he didn't even win a starting job because they brought in so many other guys now I'm not saying they're going to bring in <laughs> four or five more corners the way they did on the offensive line but they, Are you, wait, you're, what you're saying is I'm gonna let's put this out here right now on the record. What you're saying is that the Bills will sign Jonathan Joseph. I'm not, but that I've heard he's Wouldn't a good that talker. Be something, and I've also heard Josh Norman is a good talker. Likewise, and Joe Biscali and I did a little back and forth, and I mentioned that in there because I, I feel like I should be honest with the people that when something like this happens, my main concern is, oh, is this guy a good talker? And when I hear that he is, then. I like it. So. Jonathan Joseph, by the way, it was uh, announced by the Texans. Teams have been doing that this year, which is kind of strange. They're pretty much just saying, we're going to let this guy test free agency. In fact, it was couched by Adam Schefter. Uh, oh, uh, who was it today? Not not Jonathan. Was it? I don't think it was Jonathan Joseph. I think it might have been somebody else in which, uh, or maybe it was Rashad Jones with uh, the Dolphins, in which such and such team is going to allow this player to test free agency. I'd be like, really? You're going to let him? 
Oh, how yeah, how magnanimous <laughs> like of you. Him. Yeah, how how very nice of you. Well, Just you're this... gonna you're gonna go ahead and let him do. You're gonna give him permission. To... It's in the same culture as uh, mutually parting ways too. Yeah, you know, it's the PC. Uh, you're not allowed euphemism. to say we fired somebody. You know, a team was pissed off about somebody when the statement says so and so has been fired. Yeah. Because you have seen it, you, you still see that occasionally. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jonathan Joseph, uh, a very uh, a two-time Pro Bowl uh, defensive back with uh, the Houston Texans, uh, and he's going to be uh, 36 years old. So let's not. Uh, but anyway, a big name that was hitting the market today, and that's the reason that the Houston Texans are going to allow Jonathan Joseph to test things. But he's not tech, not in the same boat as Josh Norman. That's another place where sometimes people get confused and I forget that it's easy to get confused when a guy is cut you know a lot of people say isn't this tampering that they they signed this guy and it's not because Josh Norman was cut now announcing that you're going to allow somebody to test the market they're still not technically a free agent until the market opens next week but the bills each year that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have been here have played this game where they get into the free agent market early. It's smart to do. They're typically low-risk deals because they're guys who were released from bigger contracts that, uh, you know, hit the market early. If you can jump on those guys now, then you have a better idea of what you need to do going forward. Now, that's not to say that you. It, it's just one less player that you need. They're probably still going to add at cornerback – at some point, whether it's in with another free agent, a draft pick, or both. But they at least have somebody in the building, so it's not just Levi Wallace if Kevin Johnson walks out the door next week. hate to change the subject, and I do know that a lot of people listen to this on a podcast, so this is old news. Uh, It's not like it's breaking news when you're listening to it on the podcast on, say, Thursday or Friday. But uh, this NCAA thing that we talked about before the break, after we got done talking to Jim Sadlin, where the the coronavirus specialists that the NCAA they've recommended no fan it was that was their recommendation. Uh, NCAA President Mark Emmert has released a statement, and there will be no fans at all at the NCAA men's or women's the whole tournament, the whole thing. Jeff Goodman just tweeted. He's been told that the NCAA still hasn't determined whether media will be allowed wow. at the NCAA. Tournament. And this would also be, because there are, I know there are a lot of hockey fans here too, this would also include uh, the Frozen Four. Now, it's not specifically mentioned uh, in Mark Emmert's statement because he just wants to, he says include, um, all right, I'll just read it. Uh, this is Mark Emmert, uh, NCAA president, saying, uh, I have made the decision to conduct our upcoming championship events, including the Division I men's and women's basketball tournaments, with only essential staff and limited family attendance. Now, the Mid-American Conference went with, Jonah, you said it was 120 people per team? That's what I heard. That's how many passes each team had to distribute between family members and essential staff. So it's not like you can just show up like you're at the hospital and say, uh, I'm go here to see my aunt. Uh, I'm family. You have to be... The team, the players on the team are going to decide which of their family members are allowed. It's you know right. It seems yeah. Like. I guess each person would get a and certain boosters, allotment right? of tickets. Right. You got your boosters. Uh, are and I'm guessing that Spike Lee, the band, right. whose mom isn't going to get to go because some booster has to be there. The band and the uh, the cheerleaders are probably not considered essential, although. Maybe there's something done. Yeah, they, they need some kind of pageantry. This, these games are still going to take place on television. I know with the MAC but, tournament, the band won't be there. Probably not the cheerleaders either. Yeah. 
It's uh, this is heavy duty. How about the Ivy League canceling all spring sports? Yes, everything, baseball, softball, and, 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 and Cornell and, is number two in the country preseason. And, and these done. are the smart people. This is the Ivy League. I was having a conversation with a. This isn't the Ohio Valley Conference earlier in the day, it. and you know we were talking about. I was jumping on his podcast, and we were just talking about the NFL owners meetings, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't. I just don't know if I, I have it in me to to want to jump on a plane and." Go cover something that trivial, uh, you know, with everything that's going on. And I brought up, I said, it was a little bit of a red flag that the Ivy League decided to cancel their postseason tournament, and now they're canceling spring sports. That is, those are smart people. They're the smart people, but on the flip side, they're also one of the conferences that can probably most afford to cancel because it's not a high-revenue thing that they get in terms of their TV rights. They probably don't have a big gate, and they are so wealthy. True. They don't need sports. The Ohio, I, I Most used, of those I threw, guys, are they on scholarship or it's only like partial scholarships? It depends on no scholar, No athletic scholarship, but a lot of them right. but they find, find ways a way to, to get budget. Money. But yeah. I would guess that some of those spring sports, you know, a lot of them, you're talking about people who aren't even on scholarship. So, yeah, like you mentioned, they don't have as much invested. But smart folks, presumably. I mean, UB and all so SUNY schools me. are not having the, – the second half of the semester is going to be online only for all SUNY schools, and I'd imagine a lot of other universities are following that Minnesota, trend too. same thing. And then you talk Ohio, about – Ohio, Ohio colleges or the Ohio State, I think. Are the student-athletes exempted? Would they still be on campus for their games and their practices? And then I would maybe think not. I don't think anything – that hasn't really been determined yet, but it would seem like if the Ivy League had made that move and, and – we're moving towards more and more cancellations and postponements that we'll probably see more spring sports cancellations, All right, or at let's, least postponements. Let's take a break here, and when we come back, let's get into a couple of conceptual things, because really, we don't know how this is going to play out. It's all speculation. But how might these cancellations impact the Buffalo Sabres, especially in a sport in which the gate is so important? Unlike the NBA, they, there is not massive and multiple broadcast deals for the NHL. The NHL relies on and is partially why, well, not even partially. It's a major reason why some teams can't turn a profit. Dependent on the box office. And if there are no fans at these NHL games, what might that do to the bottom line? How might it affect next season's salary cap? We'll talk about that. Among other things, when we come back on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by CTBK. When I think about you, my whole world falls through. Welcome to the Tim Graham Show. This is the first you've got. The greatest supergroup. Jeff Brandt. Of all time. In a great show of loyalty. Here we go. On Sports Radio 1270. I don't know what you're going to do. The fan. Perhaps the greatest of all time. The Tim Tim Graham Show. The fan. The Tim Graham Show. The penetration rate, which is uh, an industry term for the number of people who can. Now on Sports Radio 1270. The fan. And Radio 1270com I love everyone in Buffalo. I love Tim Graham. God bless everyone in Buffalo to Buffalo. The Tim Graham Show. No, 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 no,
is Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show. Brought to you by Shampoo Travis B. Saw and Kirstner, CPAs and business consultants. That was a hard left turn coming out of that bumper to this music, Bobby. I know. You that was like it was like thrashing, and then we what is this? This is a hidden Beatles song from the anthology, actually. You know my name, look up the number. It's one of the weirdest songs they ever did. It has a little Mick Jagger feel to it. Yeah. 66, 67, so All right. it was kind of rock and roll then. Okay. Right on. All right, so we talked about it before the break there. Uh, you know, the salary cap in all sports is impacted by the box office. Some leagues are, like the NFL most notably, is buoyed by television deals that make owners profitable before they even play a game before they even have to pay the players uh it's just massive amounts of money you could theoretically play football games in front of zero fans you could put it in an airplane hangar and throw 22 players out there and play a game for the television audience and turn a profit and that applies to the NCAA tournament as well right but in some the men's sports, tournament, not not all of the tournaments that are being affected. Right, but there's no salary cap in that. But what I'm I'm getting is that that the calculations for how much a team is allowed to spend is based substantially in these other sports on the box office revenue. And if a team like the Buffalo Sabers, which struggles to turn a profit, and without making the playoffs for so long. I'm sure doesn't make any money. What is this going to do for the salary cap next year? Because the NHL all around the league is going to be affected. It's going to impact how much you're allowed to spend next year. And the Buffalo Sabres, which are supposedly going into free agency with a lot of money to spend because they're getting rid of some contracts. I'm curious as to what that's going to mean. Because the salary cap number is going to be lower probably if we get to if as things keep progressing as we see exponentially with cancellations and playing in front of zero fans that teams will have a lower salary cap number but these free agents also will be pretty pissed off if you have an expiring contract if you're Braden Holtby and you think you're walking into free agency you're going to have a ton of money thrown at you well you might get hurt because teams say we have to scale down all salaries because the salary cap's down. So you're going to have to come here for less. So I wonder how this is going to impact a team like the Buffalo Sabres, which was hoping to use free agency as a way to rebuild this offseason. I wonder how dramatically the salary cap will be impacted too because the bright side would be that it's towards the end of the season. And so if this were happening in December... Playoffs... Well, yeah, that's the problem. Big money in the, the playoffs. The playoffs probably playoffs accounts is for all the bonus money. a huge part of what you're talking about in terms uh, of a lot of teams revenue. require the playoffs to turn a profit, right? And they rely. That's why the playoffs in the NHL are so big. It's why half the team, half the league, makes it. But if this happened month, two months ago, 
there are some teams that won't miss out on that many home games, but that playoff revenue is going to that could be significant, significant enough to alter, like you said, the entire free agent market, which creates a weird situation. It's a very bad year to hit free agency now, right? Because somebody's going to have less room under the cap. Well, everything's going to be thrown out of whack. You have one guy making, you know, you've got Jeff Skinner making what he's making. And I don't know all the permutations. Maybe in somewhat, yeah, you have Jeff Skinner's not taking a pay cut. He's going to still right, be making not, his amount. He's everybody st- who's in he, he under now, the current right. salary cap is in there. You're right. So he becomes now a bigger percentage of the salary cap than he would be. Um, but Jack yeah, Eichel, same thing. But we don't know the, the permutations of it, too. What if it maybe helps the Sabres? I don't know. Because players have to take less money, or, it water it, it lowers the market on all the available free agents. So the Sabers are now. By what it comparison, would probably do is push a lot of the free agents into signing one-year deals to get back into the market when there is cap room. If there's a dramatic change in, in the amount of money teams can spend, what if it creates a situation where some teams are shedding salaries and trying to get guys off their books because? They are under more of a cap crunch. If you were p- planning on the cap being one number, and it's, I don't know how, what's a realistic number for how much it could go down? I don't know, ten million, six, six, seven million. I, I don't know. It's whatever it is. You might have to get rid of a guy or two. Maybe more guys are available, and maybe it increases activity. And it, anything like this, and the same thing goes for. Anytime there's any sort of disruption to a system, there's always a way to get an advantage if you're smart enough to find it. And, and let's point out, and before we run out of time, let's point out, too, that the NHL did survive a full season without games. Now, its owners had to tighten the belt, and as part of the agreement, they rolled back salaries 24%. You know, So the players had to really eat it uh, coming out of that lockout. Um, but, yeah, they, did, they have, and then a half a season... Uh, later on in 2011, I think it was. Was it 11-12? The major leagues will adjust, and and this won't put any of the big sporting franchises out of business. But Ryan Nobles, who's coming on later, he tweeted earlier today, minor league sports are very dependent on that gate revenue. Oh, right. A lot of them don't even make money, or if they do, it's a very slim profit margins. They can exist without having fans, I don't think, or or they would be huge money losers and it would make not a lot of sense other than being farm teams for baseball teams, things like that. But minor league sports or any kind of small college, small high school sports, anything on a smaller scale really can't exist without having spectators and trying to make a little bit of money off them in any way they can. Fantastic point. I, you know, I'm thinking of the Bills and the and the Sabers here in in Western New York, and in fact, we've been emphasizing even the college basketball programs. But yeah, the Buffalo Bisons have to be monitoring this with a lot of trepidation, with uh, the season about to start. Uh, let's go to uh, Frank uh, in Williamsville. He's been waiting, and, and I'm sorry, Frank, it took so long to get to you. And we are right before the break, but I always love hearing your thoughts. Well, this is just so unprecedented that I think even talking about how it's going to affect salary cap structure is way ahead of the game. I mean, we're talking about no fans. I mean, when there was a uh, lockout... But that's what's going to affect the salary cap structure. Right. I mean, like, could it be even possible that we're talking no games? Teams have been banking on this money. Yeah, I think it's... Yeah, I think it might be possible. Although, then how do you determine? Are you then canceling the playoffs? Because if you start canceling games, then these are all... 
um, contests that impact uh, the standings. I think it's, we still have to find out exactly how severe this thing is. I mean, um, I'm thinking they might at some point like cause like a call off two-week vacation for the country or something. I mean, how can I get a handle on it when you get a two-week incubation period where you don't know if you have it or not? And that's the problem with this, with, with this virus, besides the fact that it's two, or, two to four times more potent than viruses we've had before. Um, I, it's just a real shakeup. Watching the, the finals of the NCAA championship with no fans, that is going to be bizarre. This is like a total reset, you know, almost. It's hitting the reset button. Uh, people are watching their stock portfolios fall, like, what, 40% maybe? I refuse to look at mine. Every day? It's t- today it sounds like another another 7% or something. La, 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 la. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. La, 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 la. It's, it's only on paper, buddy. Yeah, that's true. Don't, don't, don't I always assume I'm not going to get it anyway. Something's going to happen. Oh, jeez. I'll probably I'll probably croak before right. I'm able to cash out anyway. That's a good way to look at it. My, yeah, my my heirs will be, I should be monitoring my stock market portfolio. But, yeah, there'll be a reset. I mean, like you said, uh, if, if someone's already under contract for $8 million, I mean, that's in, that's one thing. But anybody who's a free agent like you're talking about, this could be a huge wait-and-see effect, I think, with everything. And everything's going to slow down for such for. I don't know, a, couple, a year maybe? I don't know. It's, it's really weird. Another quick point that uh, that could impact uh, Buffalo team, uh, as we mentioned uh, earlier, the World Figure Skating Championships next week in Montreal have been canceled. And the Sabres are in Montreal right now for a game tomorrow night. So uh, depending on, I don't know what exactly the, the underpinning to that decision was, if it was the World Figure Skating Championships making that decision or if, Quebec or Canada or the city of Montreal had had anything to do with it, then we could be looking at a uh, no, Tim, something gonna, going on with the game tomorrow. We're going to come across all these little bridges all, along, all the way along, like who's the first player to get infected, right? And what does that mean for that team? Are they going to are they gonna have to take a whole NBA team and, 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 and sequester them for two weeks? Yeah, who knows? This is all, all out in front of us. Frank, thanks for calling in. These are all great questions and uh, things to ponder. Worthwhile. Worthwhile to ponder. Um, okay, when we come back, we're going to talk more about this. We're going to get more. We're going to back, get back into the Buffalo Bills and their various moves uh, uh, with Matthew Fairburn here, and uh, we're also going to hear from Ryan Nobles, a CNN reporter from Western New York. We're going to talk about what's going on in the world and uh, also uh, his job, which has been covering the Bernie Sanders campaign. When we come back on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by CTBK Sports Radio 1270, the Fan. down your leg. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Taking your calls at 270-1270. During the uh, era of the French, uh, uh, that, uh, the line with uh, French Canadian. Welcome to the Tim Graham Show. The Tim Graham Show. This is Sports Radio 1270. Just not hitting the hole. The fan. I know I'm going to get pimped. They're going to pimp I love sausage. Shocking. Dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber, it's all about the whole. I diddled uh, some poll 
uh, over the weekend. Right. Not Misohonia. I did have an accident with a menorah. Here we go. On Twitter at 1270, a fan. Wet ball. Taking your calls at 270 1270. What's up, baby? How you doing? Here we go. The Tim Graham Show. When's the last time you read the New Testament? Huh? I'm trying to put my junk back in place. You're one of the guys I'm following on Twitter, you know. Well, I like this guy, uh, Tim Graham. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Shampoo, Travis, Bison, Kirshner, CPAs and business consultants. I am Tim Graham of The Athletic, here with Jonah Bronstein of Bronstein & Bronstein, your sports writing injury attorneys. Matthew Fairburn, also The Athletic. Bobby Rosati, handling a busy day on the phones between guests and callers. We have Roger and Glenwood, who I'm guessing wants to talk about the coronavirus. Hi. How you doing, gentlemen? Good, Roger. Thanks for calling in. Uh, well, I uh, love the show. Um, Thank you. So let me get let me get this straight. We can't have a gathering of people uh, to watch a basketball tournament, but they'll let any idiot in the world vote in the Michigan Democratic primary. That well, that's a good point. Yesterday, <laughs> see, I've actually thought about this too. Is there's a lot of primaries coming up, and I don't know how this is going to impact all that. Because that's a question yeah. that has to be answered, too. And, yes, yesterday yeah, there were, I think there were two new cases in Michigan today, the first two, and yesterday was their primary. And so how many of those people that came out to vote that were over, you know, in that danger population, I over mean, 60? I, but, I, I hesitate. I guess I'm being stereotypical by saying this, but I think people who get involved in primaries are probably – you know, the people who vote, that's what they keep talking about with the various demographics, are generally older people. They're the most reliable voters, and uh, they probably are the same people who probably buttress the the primary uh, voting rolls. The people who are going to come out and vote are probably older and most at risk for uh, for the dangers of coronavirus. Yeah, I agree with you, well, Roger. Sharing pens and other things. It's I don't know. It's an interesting it's an interesting point. Obviously not sports related, but it is a there's more primaries to come and an election in the fall, depending on how oh, all this yeah. goes. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Roger. Well, if, if there was a mass infection in uh, Michigan, that might explain the outcome. Well, it's OK. For- well, you're having a birdie eye on later. So I thought I'd throw my support behind Bernie there. Are you telling um, jokes? <laughs> or making real points. No, no. Well, yeah, I am uh, probably half and half there. Um, I don't understand why I went that way, but that's our country, so um, uh, not much more to say about that. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean now, now these tournaments are not going to have any people, and like you were saying before, I mean the Bisons. I mean they have got to be chewing on their knuckles right now, wondering, do we even start the season? Because all that revenue is just key to their financial uh, positive outlook. The thing that may help the the Bisons is that if look, there are some people out there who are skeptical that this uh, this this pandemic is as serious as the fears. Um, I'm not really sure where I stand on it. Um, look, I, I'm I'm uh, generally when it comes to something like this, I'd rather be a little more cautious. I'm not panicking, but. 
The thing that may help the Bisons is maybe we learn more uh, in the next, well, I'm sure we will, in the next couple of weeks, but in the next month. But teams who do play up north here, minor league baseball teams, they don't make a lot of money at the gate anyway, with the exception of maybe opening day. But the colder weather out here, I think that really things get uh, get lucrative. Well, it's never lucrative in minor league baseball, but where they start making their money is in late May, June, July, August, and uh, and hopefully by then uh, everything's kind of corrected itself. Uh, the test kits are available. The treatments uh, are more available. We've learned more about the dangers of it. Um, like a good sci-fi movie, we've learned that the we've learned the secret ingredient to kill the virus is actually lemonade. Uh, we should be uh, you know eating. I don't know. It's always something. You know, there's always some like uh, when Mars attacks, it was uh, Slim Whitman music made their heads explode, uh, you know. But well, who knows? Maybe we'll find the novel cure for this and for the novel virus. Maybe it's that cookie dough donut they're selling at Paula's. Have you seen this? No. It looks. Yeah, it's it's a lot. I delicious, tried it. but it also looks like potentially more diabetes, more yeah. deadly than more coronavirus. <laughs> It looks yeah, you're oh, you're right, Roger. It's it's strange to think right now. It seems just kind of like, hey, this is quirky. Uh, I'd like to see one of these basketball games played in front of no people. But when you stop and think about why this is happening, and I think things like this in sports, like I said at the top of the show, it makes people consider this rather than just staying in a certain lane and being oblivious, which is healthy. I think you know that's what sports are. They're a diversion. Uh, but people who are a lot wrapped up in your diversion, you kind of you need things to kind of seep in here sometimes to to wake you up. Yeah, to yeah to realize Rattle how important your cage. it is. Yeah, yeah. My my friend was over in Italy, and uh, uh, she lives uh, a little bit south of Milan. So she just got back, and uh, we were texting, and she was just telling me, uh, well, she believes it's overblown, but she said how insane it was for her to get out of the country. To come back to Western New York, um, which I guess was a good ten-day process. To uh, is and she couldn't even fly out of uh, Milan, so it's it's scary. That's for sure. Uh, Tim, um, if you don't mind, my my neighbor is here and he wants to speak with you real quick. If you don't mind, um, I'll allow it. Okay, please. Thank you. He works for Pagula Sports, so he's got some kind of Hans. Hans. <laughs> yes. Right. Is, is, is this Timothy Graham? Yes. Are you the one that has made such disparaging remarks about our leader, Terry, and Polite Cab? <laughs> You've learned, Terry. You've learned, Bobby. <laughs> Jason Barrow is a young blue Labarillo. All right. Admiral McDermott is the leader of men. Admiral McDermott. Commandant, yes. uh, Commandant Bean. All right. Uh, you, you, WGR is not state radio. It is not Pravda. It is not a lazy mouthpiece for the Pagula organization. And, 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 yes, Timothy uh, and Bobby, there was some re-education involved. But as French said in The Departed, they became reliable. Did you know that Bulldog son plays hockey? I know you don't. He never mentions it. You will see, Timothy. The Pagula brand is not all smiles and sunshine. Any ordinary guy, give me the book. Give me the book. <laughs> Tim, I'm sorry about that. Um, well, love Han, the show. Hans has some pent-up uh, issues there, and that's fine. I wanted to let him uh, get it out. 
This is a forum oh, for Hans. It's a forum for Roger. It's a forum uh, for everyone. Don't even get him started on Bernie, too. My God. I, <laughs> terribly. Chopped out his mailbox when we were trying to have a civil discussion about politics. But, uh, Tim, love the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling in, Roger. And uh, give give my best to Hans. I didn't have a chance to say he's goodbye. A, uh, he's a nutcase. But, uh, you know, he's a good neighbor. He's always got a tool there when you need it. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, okay, uh, yeah, say hi to Eva for me, Hans. All right. All right. Take care. All right. All right. Roger redeemed himself a little bit with the comedy. Yes, he did. He came back. You save your best jokes for last. That's usually (laughs) how it works. Always leave them wanting more. Uh, All right. Um, Where was we? It seems like there's a new announcement every time we, uh, every five or ten minutes. I know. But uh, let's uh, take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Ryan Nobles. He's a CNN reporter. Uh, who has been covering the Bernie Sanders campaign, which uh, I guess we're going to find out what his next assignment's going to be because <laughs> I think he's going to get uh, reassigned uh, relatively soon. Not quite yet. Yeah, Not quite yet, but uh, it's interesting. And uh, Ryan Nobles, uh, the reason we're having him on, well, first off, it's fascinating to talk about this, especially with everything that's going on, but um, Ryan Nobles is a diehard Bills fan. He's from Western New York, born in North Tonawanda, and... Uh, We're going to have him on and talk a little bit of everything uh, when we come back on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by CTBK. The Tim Graham Show. That's trash, young lady. No, you can't. Hey, stop that, young lady! The charity's on fire! The Tim Graham Show. Back to the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Shampoo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner, CPAs and business consultants. Let's go right to the NCCC Thunderwolves hotline, where we have CNN reporter and Western New Yorker Ryan Nobles joining us. Ryan, thank you for this. This is exciting to be on the NCCC hotline because my mother went to NCCC, so it seems appropriate that you have me on that hotline. Look at this. Well... She was part of a winning team at Niagara County Community College. That's the tagline at the end of this interview. I'm going to give it to you now so you can have the full experience in case you hang up with me. Great. Thanks. I appreciate it. That's great. My mom will appreciate that as well. (laughs) Ryan Nobles has been at CNN for how many years? Uh, Five and a half years I've been at CNN, yep. Five and a half years. He was born in North Tonawanda, went to Casadega Valley, and then to Brockport, and uh, has been around the world uh, covering this, that, and the other, but... Uh, he has been uh, with the Bernie Sanders campaign for many months, and uh, he's joining us now to talk about, well, I mean, there's so much going on in the world that 
uh, when you're covering a campaign, you have to be up on every issue um, because they're all talking points. They're all in the planks. Uh, they are, um, you know, they're campaign issues. Uh, and we've been working on having Ryan on for a couple of weeks, and it just so happens that this uh, coronavirus pandemic, uh, I didn't know that we'd be talking about it, but it's starting to really impact the sports world. And uh, the NCAA tournament uh, uh, just announcing that uh, it will be played with no fans, uh, all kinds of cancellations. What has the coronavirus done for your day-to-day coverage of a campaign of an, well, let's face it, an older gentleman who people around have concerns of being or you know getting Bernie sick or, um, or just how he would deal with this if he were president? I mean, I know that's a very well, it's a it's a double-barreled question and a very poorly asked <laughs> one at that. But Ryan, what what's how's this impacted you? Well, it's really been incredible, Tim, and and it's it's come in short order. You know, I, I'm I'm not necessarily sure that you know there's a concern about Sanders himself getting sick uh, as much as there is just the idea of these large scale campaign events that all the candidates have, and you know the concern about if one person who happens to have the coronavirus ends up at one of these rallies, and if you've ever been to a a political rally before, especially the well-attended ones, you've got people right on top of each other. It's much like a rock concert. Uh, not as exciting, I should say, but uh, it's somewhat like a rock concert. And you Our know, Matthew Fairburn is- actually attended the, the Donald Trump campaign rally that was uh, at Key Bank it. Center. He covered it. So, covered yeah. It. Oh, yeah, he saw people. <laughs> I, I feel like that's an important distinction rally. to make, that I covered it, uh, because Rex Ryan <laughs> introduced him. That's right. That's right. I remember that when Rex Ryan introduced him. That's right. That was back during the 2016 campaign. Yeah, so I think that, you know, and what we saw at Impact the Campaign was, you know, on Tuesday night, both uh, Sanders and Joe Biden were supposed to hold big rallies. Uh, and within hours before they were set to happen, they canceled them, uh, in, in large part because of guidance given to them by uh, uh, health officials in Ohio. The, both rallies were supposed to be in Cleveland. And then, you know, the other part of it, too, is it's just it's affecting the messaging. This is the thing that everybody's talking about. You know, my wife is texting me all day long about whether or not we have enough toilet paper at home and whether or not I should be on an airplane. And so, you know, candidates have to respond to that. This is the thing that is really at the forefront of most people's minds. And so you've seen both Bernie Sanders and you've seen Joe Biden hold roundtables on coronavirus, talk about how they would handle it and also criticize the president's response to it. So, yeah, and I mean, and I should also point out, since this is a sports show, that really the sports world was the leading kind of indicator as to how these campaigns were going to handle it. Because once you started seeing major sports leagues and, uh, you know, colleges start to say that they weren't going to have spectators at their games, that's when these political campaigns were like, if they can't do it, then we can't do it. Because it's basically the same exact Petri dish that we're, we're creating with our rallies. We're in conversation with CNN Washington correspondent Ryan Nobles, who has been covering the Bernie Sanders campaign. And, um, and again, to mention, this is on the NCCC Thunderwolves hotline. Uh, Ryan, it's, uh, Bernie Sanders has made the announcement that he is staying in the race uh, using finger quotes. I'm using finger quotes on that. The writing <laughs> appears to be on the wall uh, regarding Bernie Sanders. But might these cancellations, the inability to hold rallies, the inability to uh, have a debate in front of a live crowd, which is coming up, it hasn't been canceled yet as far as I know, but he is supposed to be having a debate with with Joe Biden that seems now, 
real irrelevant based on the number of delegates yeah. that Joe Biden is racking up. Could the cancellations and coronavirus pandemic concerns end Bernie Sanders' campaign earlier than he wants to? Yeah, I, I think it's definitely part of the calculation, Tim. Um, you know, the debate's going to happen on Sunday no matter what. There won't be a crowd. There's not going to be nearly the the press presence that there normally is for these events. You know, usually these debates draw, you know, close to a thousand journalists, and there's not even going to be a press file available for them on Sunday because of that. Like, I don't, I'm, as far as I know, I'm not going to the debate on Sunday, and I've been to quite a few of them. So that does change the calculation a bit. But it will still be broadcast on live television, so most people will get to see it. But I think for somebody like Sanders in particular, the fuel for his campaign are these energetic, loud, hugely attended rallies. And even as he dropped in the polls and even as he started racking up losses, he was still drawing massive crowds. I mean, I was with him in St. Paul, Minnesota, the night before Super Tuesday, and he packed a venue with 7,000 people in the actual room. And then there was an overflow crowd of another 2,000 people. Uh, you know, the the rally that they had to cancel in Cleveland, they were expecting 5,000 people. So he still has a tremendous amount of energetic supporters, particularly young people uh, who view his, you know, his rallies as kind of a, uh, not just something that they're doing because they feel compelled to support him, but also it's a form of entertainment. And, you know, when you, you know, when you have a rally like that, if you're somebody like Bernie Sanders and you whoop a crowd up in your local community, that gets on all the local news channels, it gets in the newspaper there. And then you probably in this day and age, more important than anything, it gets in the social media feeds of all these people that come to your event and that spreads like wildfire. Uh, and so for, for him to lose that tool in his tool, toolbox, and frankly, it's a tool that Bernie Sanders has at his disposal far more than Joe Biden does, because even though Joe Biden has more people voting for him, he doesn't get people to show up to his events like Sanders does. I do think that that is a huge disadvantage for Sanders and his campaign. Uh, you know, they're basically stuck. They can't plan another rally between now and the next vote on Tuesday. The debate's going to be all the marbles for him. And, you know, if he takes another beating on Tuesday, which the polls tell us he will, I think that's when you're going to see him have some serious conversations about where his future's headed. What happens to you if Bernie Sanders ends his campaign? <laughs> well, I'm going to probably uh, go work for The Athletic, right? Isn't that what all journalists do? I'd be happy to have you. <laughs> Would it? Yeah, that's a, when they create The Athletic politics, I'll go do that. No, I mean, I, I'm a 2020... <laughs> Uh, uh, you're hearing it here first. No, uh, I have an athletic. Why, do you already have it written, don't you? Why I joined the athletic, Ryan Nobles. Yes, exactly. I already have it ready to go. Okay. Five hundred words. Uh, I am an athletic subscriber, so I hope all of you guys uh, still have your cable subscriptions too, so my kids can continue to be fed. Just, just throwing that I out do. there. Every day, um, it's, it, it's a, this is our quid pro quo. <laughs> but no, I. So for me, you know, I'm a my title's Washington correspondent. I cover politics, and I'm going to cover 2020 in some capacity right up until the bitter end. Uh, most likely my I'll stay covering the Democratic candidates, but you know, the, the volume of interest in the race and the number of events that happen will only tick up with interest uh, as the time as we get closer to the election. I, there's no doubt I would have been more uh, highly uh, profiled and, and, and had a much bigger presence in it had Sanders uh, been able to, to, to keep up and perhaps win the nomination, but it's still going to be a big part of our election coverage right up until Election Day, and then after that we'll see what happens. Have you thought about what the coronavirus is going to do? Is it could it potentially impact? I mean, you're talking about primaries still happening within the next month. Surely it's going to impact turnout in some way. But is it possible it could impact the general election as well in the fall? 
Matthew, I think at this point everything's on the table uh, because the the future of this is just so unknown. And I, and I think that you know one of the big things I think we have to keep in mind is what it does to voter turnout. Um, you know, if if we're canceling you know mass scale events, if we're telling people to stay at home, you know, I think that we're going to have to have a serious conversation if this is still a, a big problem. You know, at Labor Day, you know, I, are these states going to have to come up with uh, alternative ways? to allow people to vote? Do they expand access to absentee balloting, vote by mail, early voting? I think all those things are going to be a part of it because there's a real danger in voter suppression where people just don't feel compelled to vote and not participate in the process, and that's not good for anyone. So I think there's, first of all, that, just kind of the simple act of people having the ability to vote and doing so without fear of of getting the virus. But then I also think there's going to be a huge impact in the way these campaigns conduct themselves and also the policy discussion. You know, I think that, you know, for President Trump in particular, the the thriving economy and the rock uh, solid stock market have been a huge part of his pitch to voters. And right now, you know, the not just the U.S. economy, but the entire global economy uh, is on very shaky ground. I think the stock market today is official, officially reached bear status and it's down 20 percent. Uh, just since all, all this uh, shook the nerves of, of Wall Street investors. So that's going to be a huge part of it. It's also going to uh, raise the question, uh, a policy question about health care in general. How do we deliver health care to the American people? Health care is overwhelmingly the number one issue that Democratic voters care about in particular. Does this push someone like Joe Biden to more forcefully call for some sort of Medicare for all plan where, you know, you're guaranteed health care at no cost. You know, these, you know, this is what's so interesting, I think, about covering politics is you can kind of set out an idea of how you think a conversation is going to go in, in, in terms of an election. And the events of the day always alter that path. And that's exactly what we're seeing play out here. And, and I think that, you know, maybe this is one of these things that we get a handle on quickly and by the middle of July, we're not even talking about it, or maybe it's something that extends into the fall, and it'll be the dominating issue uh, that these campaigns and candidates are going to have to deal with. Ryan, uh, you know, for someone like myself, last Wednesday, woke up, it almost felt like when I was eight years old, the morning after the Bills would lose a Super Bowl. For someone who really, <laughs> and the millions of people around the country that really believed in, in Bernie Sanders' movement and the following that he had, the, the young voters that, that came out and voted for him for people like that where, where it seems like he's not going to win the nomination this year probably too old to run again in four or eight years where do you see this movement going and how much of the spirit and ideas of his campaign might be able to continue if he's no longer a presidential candidate no it's such an excellent question and, and i think it's going to be a very very important part of this uh election going forward because here's the thing i think you know, when this Democratic primary started, we essentially were, were, we were creating a battle between the two emerging wings of the Democratic Party. You have kind of the moderate establishment, you know, kind of the go-to uh, wing of the Democratic Party that people have known for a generation. And then you have this emerging progressive lane uh, of American politics in general, which at this point is identified with the Democratic Party. But there are a lot of young voters, and I, you know, I, I put people in that category, 35 and under, no offense if you're over that, uh, hey. who I think are, <laughs> are kind of the heart and soul of the progressive movement, of which Bernie Sanders is the most uh, prominent uh, figure. And, you know, I think that 
for the Democratic Party in particular, but I think the Republican Party should also wake up to this to a certain extent, to ignore the impact that this group is having on the political process, even if Bernie Sanders isn't able to win this Democratic primary, is something that you do at your peril. Uh, And I think what's really going to be incumbent upon Joe Biden here, if he does end up securing the nomination, between now and basically the Democratic convention in Milwaukee, and then maybe even uh, into the summer, is, you know, I think he risks focusing all of his energy on Donald Trump and not making a specific, you know, outreach to voters like you who feel very compelled and moved by the Bernie Sanders message to show them that maybe he doesn't agree with Sanders, you know, chapter and verse, but man, he's much more aligned with Sanders and his vision for the country than Donald Trump is, and he really needs your support in November. I don't think he can win the election in the fall unless he gets a big, big chunk of that group of voters to get on his side. Now, the the person who's going to be incumbent in dragging those people uh, to the, the side of Joe Biden is going to be Bernie Sanders. And I think that's going to be where the conversation goes over the next couple of months is when he, when he finally does decide to get out, what does he do to convince his supporters that it's going to be Biden or bust for November? Uh, and then I think further on out, as you're, and the question you asked about the movement, I think is so important, is who who takes on that mantle that Sanders will kind of leave there? Because I think it's it's a growing movement. This isn't something that's fading away. You know, there are some aspects of our political process that I think maybe have control of things now that, you know, in a generation uh, are going to fade away. Uh, You know, demographics are going to change and some of these issues that uh, maybe the people currently in power think are important are not going to be as important. And, you know, is it going to be someone like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? Is it going to be somebody like Ro Khanna? I mean, there's, there's a lot of emerging progressive figures, and some we don't even know about yet, that are going to probably take up that mantle. Uh, but I, I would say to you, if you're discouraged about it, and I can understand why, I don't think this is the end of the progressive movement. And I'm not saying that as somebody who believes in it, I don't, I, you know, I don't espouse a political belief one way or another. But I've been around it enough now to know that there's an energy and an enthusiasm behind it. May not be enough votes there yet to really take over the party. But man, I think the future is bright with that group of, uh, of people. And it's just going to be a matter of who takes that mantle to the next stage. We're in conversation with CNN Washington reporter Ryan Nobles on the NCCC Thunderwolves hotline. Uh, Ryan, just a quick question. I want to ask you about the bills because, hey, let's not, uh, <laughs> you know, let's, let's, uh, you're doing, you came on a sports show and you're, you're talking, you're doing more work. Don't bury the lead. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you'd like to, you know, talk about something different for a change. We're making you, we're making you just feel like this is, uh, you know, this is more work. Um, but what do you think a Republican campaign is going to look like in 2024? Because covering, let's say it's it's the other way around, uh, or it's even if Trump wins re-election, there's going to be a Republican runoff. Uh, we, we're not having that this year. But how do you think it would be if you were covering a Republican candidate in the post-Trump era? Yeah, that, that's a great question. It's something I think about a lot um, uh, because, you know, the Republican Party uh, of the Trump era is very different than the Republican Party that I've, you know, covered over the course of my, you know, 20-some-odd years covering politics. I do think a lot of it is contingent upon how this election turns out. Um, you know, at this point in this era of American politics, Donald Trump is the Republican Party. You cannot succeed in the Republican Party without, uh, you know, pledging fealty to him 
uh, as the leader. Uh, and, you know, it, it, and there's a reason for that. He's the one that gets the most votes and, and the passion and energy in the Republican Party right now is behind him. Does that change if he loses in November? And does it change depending on the margin by which he loses? And I think that's where you're going to see a new if and, and this is all, you know, we're, we're playing hypotheticals here. But if he were to lose, I do think then you're going to have a fight for the soul of the Republican Party, much like you're having a fight for the soul of the Democratic Party right now right. in the wake of Hillary Clinton's loss. And I'm not exactly sure where that ends up. You know, there, it's very interesting. You know, the, the biggest problem for the Republicans right now, just from a, a purely statistical demographic perspective, is that most Republicans, and not all, but most Republicans are older, uh, they tend to be white, and they tend to be male. Now, that's, you know, there are, that's not to say if you're listening and you're uh, a 25-year-old female uh, African-American Republican, I, I fully recognize that those, those people exist. But just, you know, across a broad demographic swath, that's who are, control the Republican Party right now. Those folks are all getting older. Those folks are going to have less and less control over American politics in the next five to ten years. And this gets back to what I was talking about before with the progressive movement. Uh, you know, you'd rather be in a position, if you're looking long term, where the energy and enthusiasm of your party uh, is within people uh, that are the emerging demographics. And this country is getting younger. This country is getting uh, is, is uh, becoming uh, people of a variety of colors and stripes and, and ethnicities and religious backgrounds. And so I think the Republican Party is going to have to find a way to to tailor their message to those emerging groups. And it's not as if they're not trying. You know, there's a specific Latino outreach. There's a specific African-American outreach. I think you see from uh, Republicans across the board. But, you know, I think that whoever becomes the next, you know, uh, you know, most important Republican leader in this country is going to be the person that kind of figures that out. How does the Republican message resonate with this emerging group of people that are going to be running the country? Because, uh, you know, it's, you know, we're going to look up and it's going to look a lot different than it does today. Let's talk about the ideals and philosophies of your Buffalo Bills. Uh, where are you with these guys? Uh, two, two playoff appearances in the last three years, a quarterback who is exciting, but maybe not a, a surefire uh, answer to to get the bills yeah. to the promised land, uh, culture, all the different things uh, that are in place that uh, are intriguing with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, what's your general take on them? Yeah, well, let me first say this about the bills, and I say this to people all the time, that one of the problems in American politics is that we treat politicians like sports teams. And what I mean by that is I, I feel like you need to have a rational approach to politics, not a passionate approach to politics. You can have a, a passionate outlook on sports, but not a rational outlook on sports. And I think sometimes what happens is we get passionately behind these politicians, and so matter, no matter what they do, we still support them. And that's how I kind of feel about the bills. I've never had a rational uh, approach to the bills. I support them no matter what, which is not very smart, I think, sometimes. Uh, if the Buffalo Bills were an elected leader, I would probably would have voted them out a long time ago, but that's not the way sports work. Uh, but I, that being said, uh, I, I'm as excited about this team as I have been since probably the, the mid '90s when I was in high school, uh, and maybe that's I'm drunk on that from two playoff appearances after going so long without them. But I do think I'm, what I'm most excited about is kind of the core energy behind the team that they're, you know, the philosophy, the way that they're presenting themselves, 
the decision they're making, and just the guys. You know, I mean, they're fun to watch. Is Josh Allen the progressive quarterback this country needs? (laughs) Is he the progressive quarterback this country needs? Uh, He might be. You know what I mean? I do think this is the thing I like about Allen. When I watch a game on Sundays, the thing I like about Allen, it's also probably what frustrates people the most about him, is that I feel like he's a gamer, right? He's a guy that you used to play backyard football with who somehow always made a play that uh, won the game for the team that you're on. You always hope that guy was on your team. And maybe it wasn't always the prettiest, and, and maybe you know had to fumble and then pick the ball back up, but he somehow got in the end zone. And I feel like the Bills haven't had a guy at that position, maybe since Doug Flutie, who kind of uh, uh, you know brings that to the table. So you know that's that's an early analysis of him. But it's not just him. You know, I love Trey White in the in, in the defensive backfield. Um, I love Matt Milano. I love these guys. There, there's echoes of those teams from the '90s that I think are what excite me most. You know, leaders uh, who who have kind of this you know all for the team mentality, not all for themselves mentality. And, you know, obviously it's so much different in the era of free agency than it was in the 90s. But if they can keep this core of guys in place, and, and I've been very impressed with McDermott and his coaching style, um, that, you know, I, I feel as good as I ever have. And the thing I'm most excited about is that I feel like the end of the evil empire in Massachusetts is coming to an end. And, you know, I, I, I was joking. I had a producer that I was working with who was a huge Patriots fan, and I wasn't sure if we, he was going to be with me long term. And I said, listen, the only reason I want you to stick with me during the campaign is because I want to be with a Patriots fan when we find out that Tom Brady is not going to be with them next year. So he's already left me, so that's not going to work out. <laughs> Well, Ryan, kept you a lot longer than I wanted to, and I apologize for that, but uh, it's such compelling conversation with everything that's going on, and and, uh, hopefully you can come on again and we'll talk only sports, I promise. All right, as long as we don't talk about the Sabres, I'm I'm game for that. Well, we we don't even talk about the Sabres on this show, so... We we had, we had a segment uh, last week in which we threw out the topic: Should we talk about the Sabers? And the topic for the whole segment was: We shouldn't be talking about the Sabers. So, oh, that's too bad. Yeah. That's a team I love too. Uh, but oh my gosh, I would love to see them turn around like the Bills have. So Maybe they'll have a new general hopefully manager. Hopefully, there's better next days time. in their future. All right. Well, thanks so much, Ryan, for coming on the show. It means a lot to us. And uh, good luck. Stay healthy and uh, enjoy the rest of the presidential race. All right, guys, thanks. I appreciate you having me on. Have a good one. That was CNN Washington correspondent Ryan Nobles on the NCCC Thunderwolves hotline. Come be a part of a winning team at Niagara County Community College. Uh, When we come back, uh, more updates, probably, because they're happening every five minutes or so. Pagula Sports and Entertainment has put out a statement. We'll let you know what they had to say when we come back on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by CTBK. Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. But he does have intriguing things. You only caught me with a joint. Oh, wrong one. Tim Graham Show on the Fan 10 app. Free to download in the App Store. Horses are athletes. Sure are. Now back to the Tim Graham Show. One of our sponsors is... Is a horse. A fan. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Shampoo Travis Besaw and Kirshner here on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Tim Graham with Matt Fairburn, Jonah Bronstein, Bobby Rosati diddling the knobs. 
Are you going to be able to continue diddling knobs during this coronavirus pandemic, Bobby? I Yeah, they're going to have to keep the knobs nice and clean, but which mm. I am. He's going to have to diddle them remotely. Oh, God. Could you, yeah. They would be have tough. to fry those knobs yeah. from Bobby's cold dead hands yeah, cold before dead. he would stop diddling My coronavirus them. hands. Yeah, no, hopefully I'll... Uh, I think, I, I think I'm considered essential personnel here because I keep some most shows on the air. Yeah, I'm that's a fact. This one. All the salesmen are going to work from home, and you're going to have to come in. Exactly, yeah. Bobby's essential personnel to this show, that's for sure. <laughs> He's the only essential personnel of this show. <laughs> that's been proven, yes. actually. Oh, speaking of essential, don't forget to check out uh, Periscope where the Tim Graham show is shown live. Jonah Bronstein tweets it out. I retweet it. You can find the link to uh, watch this. Not only live, you can go back and watch it later and all previous Tim Graham shows. The Tim Graham show is also available on SoundCloud and iTunes via podcast, or as a podcast, I should say. Uh, So feel free to listen at your leisure to uh, the Tim Graham show, brought to you by CTBK. So it's been a strange show in that uh, we are talking about things that uh, really it's conjecture, but it's on everybody's mind or concerns. And uh, it's really starting to hammer the sports industry at the at every level, at the amateur level. We're seeing it here in Western New York with the state championships uh, being either canceled or uh not being open to fans anymore. We're seeing it affected at the college level with the NCAA uh, announcing that the uh, the men's and women's basketball tournaments, as well as all their championships for the winter, which would include the Frozen Four. By the way, the Division Three uh, Frozen Fours was to take place in Buffalo this year, so that's an event that won't take place. An infusion of tourism dollars, people coming in from wherever their schools uh, hailed from to uh, to watch them play here in Buffalo for the Division Three Hockey Championship. Um, the Ivy League canceling all spring sports, and now we're starting, it, uh, starting to see it uh, influence decisions uh, with the big four sports um, and international sports. Mentioned it before uh, on the show, the World Figure Skating Championships were supposed to be held next week in Montreal. Those have been scrubbed. Well, I should say canceled. I shouldn't use the word scrubbed for... For cancel, it's not a synonym necessarily in this sense because people think they're just being sanitized. Uh, no, they're being 86th. Um, what do we think? Uh, and Jonah, we, we talked about it briefly at the beginning of the show. You were just at UB uh, covering the men's game and the women's doubleheader. They, they each played uh, Miami of Ohio in the first round of the MAC tournament. Was the, Did you have any discussions or was there any... Uh, ponderings uh, from administrators there or people just talking about what should we do what um, you know if this had uh, I know that there couldn't be a next round game in Buffalo because then they go play the MAC tournament in Cleveland but so that was going to be the final event at Alumni Arena regardless but I'm sure that you know they're still trying to imagine what they're going to do with their other sports or just yeah there really wasn't any talk about and I was at there this morning for the football pro day and that was before it came out that SUNY schools would be, you know, all distance learning online for the rest of the semester. And I haven't even gotten a chance to check out how that affects spring sports at UB. And I, I think that's probably still up in the air being determined whether it will or won't or, or 
how long before they make a decision on that. You know, this was two nights ago that I was at UB for the quarterfinal game, pre-quarterfinal games, and at that point, the MAC tournament hadn't announced that there wouldn't be fans. It really was not very many of these cancellations yet. I think this was before any of these high school events had – all of this came down yesterday, so this was the day before, and the only talk was that it might be coming, that the NCAA tournament – in various events coming up, what would be next week now might be in jeopardy or there won't be fans or there'd be different provisions. But as we've talked about earlier or in the break, it's a little different here because there hasn't been a confirmed case yet. People in Western New York don't really feel threatened in the same way I think people do in other cities. So it's a little different. I've gotten a lot more feedback, which I don't agree with, but a lot more feedback from people saying this has been an overreaction and, and they should be playing these high school championship games this weekend and they should be letting the parents in to watch the teams. I don't know if the tide's turning on that kind of public discourse locally, but that was the general perception I got from the different events I was at college and high school the last two, three, four days. I don't know if, well, there's no way to quantify this, but I wonder if, as we were talking about with CNN Washington correspondent Ryan Nobles in the last segment, the idea of sports making an impact or make with these cancellations and no fan zones and uh, and what have you if that how that changes the opinion of whether or not this is to be taken seriously or not like is this overblown maybe as people were but now as the dominoes are starting to fall i wonder what the if the general public or people who were skeptical or even considered this uh, a hoax. If now they're saying, "Well, all right, th- this is something to, those to people take serious." Tend to take their. Si- I, I would think in this case, the people who are calling this a hoax and thinking it's overdone are taking their signals from Fox News and similar types of media. So, are those messengers going to change their stance? Because if Fox News continues to say this is a hoax, and if they go on and attack the NCAA or different leagues for canceling these games and not letting the fans in. A lot of people, a large segment of the population everywhere is going to follow suit and believe that. I don't know how many people will really make their own decision on this. It's sort of, it's been politicized to the point where some, a certain, you know, the red states believe that it's a hoax and the blue states are reacting differently. It, we talked about it at the beginning of the show, so just to put a, a bow on it and make sure that uh, we leave you with the latest possible information, Columbus Blue Jackets have finally buckled uh, a bit to uh, Governor Mike DeWine's uh, order that was about to be forthcoming that was going to be a ban on large-scale uh, gatherings. Be, and the ban was coming partially because the Blue Jackets were thumbing their nose at DeWine's recommendation not to have large gatherings, and they kept saying, arrogantly, it seemed, yeah, come on down anyway. So what, that the governor (laughs) doesn't think we should? We're the Columbus Blue Jackets, and we want you to come down to the game. Uh, The game uh, coming up against Pittsburgh, I think it's tomorrow, uh, will be closed to the public. It's only going to be team personnel, and uh, so the Penguins and the Columbus Blue Jackets will play uh, in front of no fans. So that's another big four sport that uh, will have a very uh, noticeable um, effect or, or that will be affected very noticeably by uh, the coronavirus if you were to tune into that game and see nobody in the stands. Um, I wonder if that's going to affect ratings. 
if probably the, make them higher. I don't know. I mean, I, the idea, the optics, and there are certain. I think certain arenas you can get away with it too, like in the NBA maybe, where you can focus more on the court. Uh, but panning back and forth on a rank, you're always seeing fans along the glass. If you're going to include the glass, you're going to see empty seats. Um, so anyway, it I don't might know, affect just, how the, I mean, the television like production were, goes, but I don't think people will be less interested in watching the game because, oh, look at that blank space behind the players. No cheering, no booing, no nothing. No, I mean, you're just, it's going to be so sterile. Wouldn't that presumably... Would we? Yeah. I don't, well, I guess we're going to find out, but I'm interested. Wouldn't that presumably impact the college basketball tournament more oh, than a regular NHL Not game. hearing the band after yeah. at every stoppage of play? In a way, I don't know, and it's... I find it hard to kind of zoom out and figure out what the general consumer is going to do. But for me personally, I'm, you know, thinking, oh, I'm going to be in my house more than than usual. I'll probably be tuning into more sports than I otherwise would. And I'm well, also that. I'm yeah, also that's true. super curious to see how, like personally, I'm. It makes me want to watch because it's like, man, I want to see what that empty arena looks like. And somebody was making the point, that, you know. On Twitter, you know, you're going to have these friends and family crowds, right? Or family only. You're going to be able to hear practically everything they say. You're going to be able to hear a lot of what the players are saying on the court. I think it's a it's an interesting social experience. I want heckling. All right, so I said that uh, the Pagulas put out a statement, and I said I would let you know what that was. Essentially, it was no statement at all. Uh, they pretty much said, we're monitoring the situation. Uh, we're going to do all the things that the CDC recommends. And uh, us and Delaware North, our food service company, are, I mean, they don't say this, I'm paraphrasing, but they pretty much say, don't worry, we're going to wash our hands. This is a non-denial denial <laughs> of the pandemic It's a statement, outbreak. but it's not a, it's a it yeah. says very little. It's a statement but with no Jonah substance. as Jonah pointed out, it does say that they're not canceling anything. Yes, that's, I guess that's what they're doing. But Cuomo has been, I would say, more proactive than a lot of politicians he's been out in front this. of it a he's lot been more. out in front of this a lot and so i wouldn't you know be surprised i mean things are happening so quickly even since we've been on the air so many things have happened it's been hard to keep up and i'm and sure so, we have not uh we have not come close to to giving you the various updates um another interesting thing that dan wetzel wrote about on yahoo and this is might end up being a moot point uh but the, probably the one league we haven't talked about uh, is the PGA. And Masters tickets are plummeting in price, wow. which they're usually impossible to get. Mm. It's like $3,000 plus to even go to the first round on Thursday. And now it's in the $1,000 range, which is an insane price cut. But at this point, you know, all these individual tournaments are going to have to make decisions. That's played outside. Does that change it you know the players is happening this weekend in uh ponte verde beach down near jacksonville another i don't know there's so many individuals that can make decisions that could just you know change tournaments drastically uh and the masters not happening that's in a month and who knows at the the pace things are moving we may not have a show next week i don't know we'll see Maybe Jeez. maybe Cumulus or Bobby Rosati as the overlord of this show because he has all the power. We'll say yeah. we're uh, we're not coming in. Nobody's allowed in studio next oh, week. Geez. We're going to perform. Uh, Bobby will perform as producing with no fans. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> no cast, no fans. Well, that was an enlightening show. I mean, we, we talked through a lot of things that, uh, you know, you're in your headspace when, as at least I am, I'm working from home and uh, I'm watching the news and I wonder a lot of things. And then we get in a room with four four guys and uh, bring on a, a guest like Ryan Nobles and then uh, Jim Saddle and the Syracuse basketball analyst from, from Greensboro where the AC turn, ACC tournament's being played tonight. And you start kicking these things around and you learn a little bit. We learn a lot about each other is what we do. I found this helpful. Yeah. Hopefully the Cathartic? Yeah. <laughs> like you sit in your head a lot. That you cough I had before the bit. show has gone away. It's amazing. It's made me feel better. Yeah. Well, and then this, what do you call it? A pop? What? A pop? Oh, your, your pop filter. A pop filter. Yeah. This sponge on the end of this uh, microphone, I'm sure, has... I've contracted three or four different things. It's just pr- probably not the coronavirus. Might have to go after this. Yeah. All right, guys. You caught Jerry Sullivan's disease. <laughs> yeah, with Debilitated. your politicized show. Sully syndrome. <laughs> All right, we're, we're late. I was we, I thought we were going to be early, but here we are at 6 o'clock. Uh, thanks to Ryan Noble, CNN Washington correspondent, and uh, Jim Saddle and Syracuse basketball analyst for joining us on the NCCC Thunderwolves hotline. My thanks to Matthew Fairburn, Jonah Bronstein, Bobby Rosati. We'll catch you next week right here on The Tim Graham Show. Brought to you by CTBK on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Tim Graham Show. This is Sports Radio 1270. The Fan. This-